Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horniman, aka The Thyroid Fixer. Also, functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health-related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. Okay, we are back with one of my dear friends, Dr. Lauren Lax, and we're bringing her back pretty quickly, pretty soon, right? Button up to her last interview about mold, because this is perfectly tying into what I've been talking about lately in terms of weight loss resistance, or even health progress resistance, we can say just the lack of progress that some of you are seeing, even though you are doing all the things, all those physical things, all the biological things. Maybe you are working with a qualified practitioner. Maybe you're working with me. We have you on the right track. You know, you're doing the the perfect lifestyle plan and the perfect diet plan. And we got you on thyroid meds and that's being optimized and your hormones are being optimized and you're checking off all of those boxes. And maybe you have them all checked and you're still in that place of why aren't I getting better? Why aren't I losing weight? Why aren't I feeling like I should be feeling? All these people that are talking about being optimized, why aren't I there yet? So I'm bringing Lauren in because she had mentioned something on her last interview when we were talking about the mind and bringing in your belief system and even the thoughts that you have over and over again, or the things that you're telling yourself or what you identify with in terms of even identifying with Hashimoto's, identifying with a disease state. I thought that this was very, very important and very timely in our overall discussion of non-progress that we now tap into the mind and its connection to the body. So Lauren, thank you so much, so much for coming back on. I cannot wait for this discussion. Yeah, same here. And I'm so happy you're addressing this because I think this is like the elephant in the room or the just like the big missing piece of the puzzle, especially in our functional medicine space, because like we are doing all the things. A lot of times our patients are coming to us doing all the things and like it's not a secret of like what to do to be healthy physically. But yeah, the mind piece can feel a little bit like abstract, I think. And so I'm really excited to dive in to this with you. Well, I think it's no pun intended. I think it's hard for us to wrap our minds around our minds, having that much control over our body. You know, we heard it years ago with the book, The Secret and the Manifestation. And now even Joe Dispenza, for those of you who know that name, kind of brings it more to the forefront of how our thought processes can control disease states in our body, can hurt us or heal us. Like you said, it's a hard thing to conceptualize that we actually have that much power to determine what is going on inside of us to actually determine our ultimate health outcome. That's hard for people to grasp. It is. And like, I didn't honestly believe it or think that like much of it until it actually worked for me in healing my 13 incurable illnesses as a practitioner when I was like, in a training, learning how to rewire the gut brain axis and not for myself to help my patients. Cause I heard that this is a good tool to use. And it just like was mind blowing because I looked up and blinked and I'd say six months, nine months later, it was, everything was in remission. And it just like was the magic carpet ride (laughs) that allowed all the other things in my life that I was doing, the diets, the supplements, 
the lifestyle factors, the sleep, the movement, like to actually work and stick in the body. It is like legit. It's not just woo-woo talk or not just like a power of positive thinking book either. There is science to this. I'm happy to kind of dive into like, how does the mind actually impact the body from a science level or wherever you want to start? I'm good to start. Well, let's start with the science behind it because some some people have heard of neuro-linguistic programming or NLP. You had also mentioned to me German new medicine, human design. So kind of give us that overview of where this even started and who kind of started this movement of looking at how our thoughts and the mind affect our body. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people have heard probably about the gut brain connection and that's been kind of a known fact. And we just see the research pouring out. Like if you just go really, thankfully, like PubMed actually does research on that nowadays, but like your gut is your second brain. Although I do think it's your first brain because there's more neurons in that gut than any other part of your peripheral nervous system. So why would the gut matter if we're talking about the brain? Well, the gut is actually what is like dictating a lot of your health conditions. So like we know the gut is where your immune system is. We know that's where your hormones are being balanced. We know like it's regulating your energy because obviously if you're not absorbing your nutrients, like you're not here. (laughs) So there's a lot of like health holistically, like just happening in your body. So anytime that me and you are working with someone that has some sort of condition going on, we know there's something awry in the gut. And then we would say upstream the brain because there's signals constantly going in. So that's how overtly like stress is going to impact the body and result in like ill health is because of how it's affecting the gut, that signal down. And then vice versa, your gut microbes are talking to the brain. So you can stay in an upregulated, just like disease state for a long time if both of those are imbalanced. I think studies are a really great example too of how this gut-brain connection work. May have talked about the milkshake study before. I don't know if I mentioned that last time, but it's the study where they give two groups a milkshake. Sounds delicious, right? I'll be part of that study. One group gets the census shake, which is like a 140 calorie milkshake. The other group gets a 600 calorie milkshake, like the indulgent shake. In actuality, both groups got the exact same milkshake, a 300 calorie milkshake. And what researchers wanted to know is like, what happens to these people's metabolisms basically when they think they're drinking a different uh, milkshake? Well, as you can guess, like how that story went, the people with the sense of shake, like we're in like diet mode, like earned it. But as a result, their ghrelin levels were higher, like their hunger hormone levels were higher. So they just like felt after a couple hours, like they needed another milkshake or something else. And their metabolism actually went into more like dieting stress mode. So like they slowed down significantly because the body's like, when am I going to get my next meal? I'm going to hold on reserve to what the body has. Whereas the indulgent shake people were kind of like more free, like earned it. They like one off milkshake. They were more satisfied, more nourished. Their metabolisms like digested the food just fine. Again, same exact milkshake, but just different result metabolically. So, I mean, that is just like one example of how that gut and that brain that are working because the brain's affecting how your gut is metabolizing your food. And that's just from a food perspective. We've seen this like time and time again with so many different things. And I mean, we were talking a little bit about COVID beforehand. I've just like, even think about COVID and how that affected so many people different ways. So some people had a lot of gut issues. Other people had just like fatigue or the sniffles. Other people had affected their heart. And so 
all these different symptoms. Uh, the interesting thing about COVID is we haven't even like encapsulated the virus of COVID. We have not caught that, but from a psychological level, like it's greatly related to how we were also taking in information and, and being sick in the body. So for example, if I saw COVID as an indigestible conflict, like this is really hard to digest and swallow that this is happening in the world right now, or that like I could start feel like I'm coming down with something, it may have shown up more in like gut symptomology. Whereas if a person felt like a, a fright conflict or a death fright conflict, that could have showed up in their heart. And so the body keeps the score and that's a book title. I don't think the guy that wrote that book even knew about this work or really goes in depth to like actually how disease is manifesting metaphorically in the body. But oftentimes what I tell my clients is like, when they come to me with XYZ symptom, a lot of times that's already a lab test for me in and of itself to understand root cause and start to help them piece apart where like this disease stemmed from. And one of my very favorite questions to ask people, and you may ask this too, Amy, before when you're doing a health intake history, you understand, okay, you got sick in 2017. I always ask like, what was happening in your life going on before 2017 and like what stressors, et cetera. Now that I've gotten to know this work a bit more, I can ask a more pointed question. So again, back to like over gut symptomology, was there anything indigestible going on? If there's thyroid conflict going on, was there something like in your life happening where you felt powerless in your life? A lot of times that's related to a powerless conflict. And a lot of times clients like wheels are turning and like, yes, yeah, something a lot was going on. I just got off the phone a little earlier with a client who just had like just all these, I would call them hanging healings, where you have just ongoing symptomology that just seems like no rhyme or reason. And the body is just like depleted. So just a lot of fatigue, intolerance to exercise, being outside, orthostatic hypotension, where she's feeling short of breath when she has stands up. Like really the body is under a lot of stress there, frequent deep sighing. There's no like things she can put on her thumb on. Like she just feels all these symptoms. Now there's not like even necessarily a formal diagnosis. She had some in the past, but now she's just in this chronic state. And we would call that hanging healings because it's like her body just making up for a tons, mounds of stressors in her life. And we just like unpacked different chapters and chunks of those for her from like abusive relationship that she was in to like growing up in a home where her dad left her mom and it's like, like separation conflict at a young age. And then a lot of medical trauma, even her colon being taken out that couldn't, didn't need to be taken out. If you think about your life as a whole, if you currently have like some symptoms going on, there's a very big guarantee that there's a stress connected with that. It's a, the American Psychological Association says like what 99% of disease is related to stress. And I think a lot of times we hear that word stress, we go one of two ways. One is like what's been very highlighted in current like conversations is like trauma, big T trauma has happened. So like whether it is over sexual abuse or seeing someone like pass away before you or like a traumatic car wreck, et cetera, like that would be big T trauma stress. Like people are talking about. And then we think about like psychosocial stress, like I'm stressed over a work deadline or I'm stressed over just a conflict with my significant other. But I don't think we like really conceptualize stress goes beyond just that. Like there is a lot of like little T traumas that happen in our life. I I really don't like that word trauma much anyways, but 
It could be like the indigestible conflicts or the stressors, such as little girl tells me on the playground that I'm fat at 10 years old. That is something that was a little T trauma or a stressor. I never verbalized it, never worked through that at that time in my life. But then it manifested as an eating disorder and chronic gut issues for the next like 15, 20 years of my life. Other little, little traumas could just be like, you're a mom of four kids and you're like, you're powerlessness has kind of come into play. Like there's no room for you in the end as far as taking time for yourself. I see a ton of thyroid issues with my moms out there. Like, and I just like have a big hug and heart for them. And it's like, not that it's a bad stressor either. It's like a season stressor, but a lot of times how stress can take over. It's like a gully washer happens, or it's like standing in the ocean and a wave keeps hitting you from behind. You just are resilient to the stress. You just, it keeps hitting you. Like I'm mom of four kids and I'm not really about facing this. When you turn to like face that wave in the ocean and the wave keeps coming at you though, like what happens? Typically you're able to stand stronger because you know, like your mind is more in an about face of being able to handle the stress. The way that stress can manifest in the body is a lot of times we're just not really aware. We're just in go mode in our daily life. That's where like the little T stressors. And then we also have stress that's me and you, Amy, talk about all the time, which would be physical stressors. But we don't always, I think, in our society recognize those. Um, so like whether it's toxicity in our environment, like that's a stressor. The toxicity, like I was at Barry's boot camp today. I absolutely hate aerosol deodorants that girls use. I just like want to like take all those away and put like hide them or throw them away. And that would be an example of stock toxins or the foods that we're eating or not eating. I see a ton of under eating happening. And just like, because a lot of times individuals come to us and they're maybe on five foods or 10 foods and they're so stressed about what to eat. <laughs> and it's just like the lack of food. It's not even just the glyphosates and the pesticides on the other side of the, the coin. Those would be just two examples of physical stressors, overtraining, undertraining, undersleeping, blue light exposure, things that like, again, we talk a lot about in functional world. And I think that that can also manifest as stress in the body that kind of like, is just like the extra cherry on top to all these mental, emotional, psychosocial stressors. Totally. Oh my God. There's so much to unpack there. Where do I want to start? Where <laughs> do I want to start? Okay. Very interesting that you have tied and can and that we can tie this in those those emotions, like you said about feeling powerless, not finding your voice, right? Here we go back mm -hmm. to the throat and the thyroid. Um, just feeling like you said, something is, is undigestible. And when you're saying that I'm even thinking a piece of news that you heard from a loved exactly. one, or you lost your job or your parents are sick now. And, and you go, how do I, how do I deal? How am I going to deal with this? And that alone is something that you can't digest. You can't wrap your mind around it. You can't even do anything with it right now. It's just too much. And that alone can start to wreak havoc in the body. You know, I'll talk a lot about stress and I give the story. I have given the story. I said it in the last podcast about one of my patients that we got her optimized. I mean, she was right there. Health was was rolling. She lost 40, 50 pounds. Awesome. She was a CPA, went through tax season with her own business and her health basically reverted backwards. It, it reverted pretty much all the way back to the beginning 
because of stress. Nothing else changed. Her meds didn't change. Her hormones didn't change. Her workouts didn't change. Her eating didn't change. What changed? That amount of stress in her life that just tipped the scales to the point where she sold her business because she came to the realization that this is exactly what's doing this to me. And it is not worth it. The health and the life that I experienced prior to this time of stress was so beautiful and so perfect. I'm not going to let even my own business take away from that that life. And sometimes it really is diving into the stressors in your life and what you're dealing with. But I find it very interesting that those little things, those little thoughts, those you know, and I, I, like you said, Lauren, I don't want to call them little, it's a big impact when you're called fat on the playground. It's a big yeah. impact when you're bullied at school, you know, th- those have huge lasting impacts, but we don't think about that now in our thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, we're not going, okay, I can't lose weight. What was it that I dealt with at the age of 10 on the playground? Like we don't do that. Right. It's not, it's not commonplace or thought to do that. And the interesting thing too, is like, okay, that was the catalyst stressor for a lot of my health issues. The interesting thing about the brain is it does not distinguish the difference in running from a bear versus I'm 10 grams of carb over my limit versus I'm underslept. So it sees all sorts of a similar stress the same. So even though in that moment, I did not digest that, I guess very well. And it was kind of a self-worth conflict as well. Even though later in my like late twenties and thirties, I still have like say gut issues later on in my life, my brain, when it senses a self-worth conflict back, you know, before I was healed and knew this work is how that would continue to manifest in my body. So it's not that you're still like married to that initial conflict, but that is the catalyst that set the body into what we would call a track. So it just remains laid down like that. That track is still down. And so powerlessness conflict, we'll go back to like a thyroid example with your client where she felt powerless in her life that early on was a catalyst for thyroid issues. So she like then fast forward, gets into a new dynamic where she senses feeling powerless. Um, and the emotions that are triggered there remind her limbic brain, like, oh, this is what we do and how we respond. We respond with hypothyroidism or Hashimoto's like symptoms. Therefore, like it's that parallel still. So this is like when people talk a lot about the limbic system, it's the part of the brain that like traps memories. So the brain um, will just tap into those emotions. This is like why emotional work is like so powerful. When you go to say like a Joe Dispenza or Tony Robbins, a lot of the work that they're doing is like tapping into emotion and like getting into a new state of how you want to feel and instead, because they're trying to shake out those old emotions that the body is latching on or that brain and and lay a new pathway down like a neural pathway. So when I was going through mold illness, a lot of times my symptoms would be shortness of breath. And it never, those symptoms never really began until the catalyst night where I woke up feeling like I was having a heart attack at 2am gasping for air. And it was like a severe asthma attack. And what we would call that is like a death fright conflict, whatever my subconscious was processing in a dream that night or something like that while breathing in these toxins, it, it connected both of those dots futuristically, like fast forward when I would like say, be checking out a new space to maybe live. And when you've been through mold, you, it's a very touchy subject. You can't just a lot of times just move into a house. Cause you're just so paralyzed by everything that you just went through and lost. So I would get those symptoms really quickly, the shortness of breath, even before stepping into a new home, being like, 
oh, my mold symptoms are back. Or like now when my nose senses mold, a lot of times I was at Target the other day. I Mold is radiating off that Target here in Austin. East Austin, Mueller, if anyone lives here in Austin, don't go in there. <laughs> but at the, all that to say is like, I start feeling that shortness of breath because my brain senses a sensory input. It senses the mold. It cues it back to that like moment where I woke up feeling like I was having a heart attack and an asthma attack. Now I'm able to, I went into the target just fine, was able to like, I just am aware of how the body is sensing things. And so like for those, like if I'm so aware of this work, imagine like what's happening. If you're not really aware of these stressors, like how it is back to that goalie washer, that wave hitting you from behind every time, because we take in the world through our sensations and then through emotions, like sensory and emotion is how we then a lot of times feel <laughs> that manifests how we like feel physically and then mentally, emotionally as well. And so that's just kind of an example of how like, again, conflict, it doesn't have to be me thinking about being 10 years old, still on a playground when I'm like 28 years old and still struggling with gut issues. But maybe if I looked at Instagram today and I felt like I like I'm not good enough. Like that self-worth conflict came up. And then therefore like, oh, I woke up the other night. I'm 35, by the way, now not 28. So I feel like I'm 25, but I woke up the other night feeling constipated in the middle of the night. And I have not felt that in a while. And it was related to a feeling stuck conflict, not only an indigestible conflict. If we go for bloating or constipation, constipation, when I feel like stuck or something I can't eliminate in my life or get rid of or shake. And then with bloating, it would be like an overwhelmed, like something I can't digest and I'm overwhelmed by it a lot of times. And so the trigger for that feeling stuck that night had to do with a boy. But like when I made that connection, honestly, my body, like I cleared it and like I was unconstipated. I went to the bathroom and it's like, my body was like, thank you. You know what I'm trying to tell you? So a lot of times symptoms are just like your body's like olive branch, like trying to say like, listen, this is like where it's coming from. And if you can identify the conflicts or the emotions and like kind of what triggered it, you heal a lot faster. And sometimes I feel like I'm Harry Potter now, like with just these magic powers for myself. And then also helping clients connect the dots. A client came to me with feeling SIBO, like symptoms they hadn't been there in like a year. And um, we had gotten rid of it. And when we figured out what was the indigestible and overwhelming conflict happening for her, her ex-fiance had just moved back into town and she had just seen him recently. And like, he was just back in her periphery, frontal lobe, actually. When we made that connection and we did a little bit of like what I call gut brain rewiring, I, I have several exercises that'll just help your brain get into a new state and like take back your control. She messaged me the next day and was like, Dr. Lauren, I feel a thousand percent better. Like my SIBO symptoms are completely gone. And I've seen this happen with another client, UTI. She came to me. She hadn't had a UTI in 11 years. I was like, what were you thinking about? Like yesterday, it came up all of a sudden. We had been processing something that she felt just this negative energy with her husband. And she was like angry. And a lot of times a UTI is related to a territorial conflict sexually that happened to be with her partner, just something in their relationship. And when we made that connection by that night, she messaged me. It was like, Dr. Lauren, I didn't have to pick up any of those supplements. My UTI symptoms are completely gone. So it's just like so powerful how the brain and the body can heal. And the way that it'll show up in your different tissues, all these different symptoms is when the brain, that part of the brain is highlighted. So say like it's a gut issue, brain stem is going to be highlighted. Same thing with your thyroid. That's because this part of the brain is connected to the thyroid. It's connected to your gut. 
highlight, or we would call it concentric rings. If you were to take like a CT scan of your brain, you would actually see some imaging on that part where you've had that stressor or that conflict. It's like a little imprint or fingerprint. That's what's sending the inflammation to that certain tissue. So again, why different people can go through lots of different stressors, perceive them differently and show up, or maybe the same stressor actually perceive it differently back to our COVID example, but it shows up differently depending on what part of your brain is being impacted. Interesting. So the physical symptoms are real. We're not saying that you are manifesting some fake symptom and that it's not really there. This isn't a, like a, a, what do they call it? Not psychosocial. It's not a, a, it's not just psychological. It's not in your mind. Yeah. Right. Which is the unfortunate thing. Like when a lot of times our chronic like illness patients, this was me, I would go to ERs, like having mast cell activation syndrome symptoms. Doctors have no idea what that is. And I didn't even know what it was, but they say like, it's all in your head. Take this anti-anxiety pill, get out of our hands. And I just kept having all these symptoms. And so it was, it's physiological back to the gut brain connection to how that brain is sending a signal down to your gut, which is then sending the signal to different tissues and your body connected to that signal it's getting from your brain. Exactly. And, and I look at a couple of different examples as well. And you can tell me if I'm off track, but I think this all ties in. The one example I'll give that really came to my mind when you and I were first talking about this is actually my own father. And he went through two different rounds of cancer. The first round he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he was taking care of my mom at the time who had Alzheimer's. And basically he got the diagnosis and, and this is just who he is too. In his mind, he was like, well, I'm just going to beat it because I don't have time for this. And I mean, he went through a lot of hell. Like he had a heart attack, which I did CPR on him, brought him back to life, saved his brain. Like, I mean, he went through hell during that, that first set of chemo. But up here, he was always fine. Never the victim, never stressed, never worried. He was like, I just made a deal with God that um, I have to be around for your mother. So that was just it. And I mean, and, and but he was fine all the time. All, I mean, even though he went through those health things, like you can't control having a heart attack, right? From the chemo, it was like, oh, all right, I'm good. Let's keep going. And and then I look at other people. I even have a friend that I, I keep yelling at because he will say, well, when something good happens, something bad is always around the corner. And I'm always cursed with health problems. Guess what he's cursed with, Lauren? Health problems. And guess what happens? Something bad always is around the corner exactly. because he literally pulls it into his being. And, and I look at those two examples. And again, tell me if I'm off track with this. But for my dad, the power of his mind and belief system literally had an effect on his body and now he's cancer free. Oh, yeah. My other friend who continually speaks negative and believes nothing but negative continues to get sick. I mean, from shingles to issues with his vision. I mean, I'm sure you could go down a rabbit hole with those, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like where those stem from, right? Exactly. Yeah, no, that's like, a hundred percent how a lot of times, like then once you recognize like the stressor or like why placebo works, like it under, like sometimes you don't even have to do the deep, deep root work to understand like where it's coming from. If you make that about face and you just decide like, okay, I understand this is like the diagnosis you're giving me. I don't accept that diagnosis. And this is what I believe. And we're also focusing on what you do want versus what you don't want, because 
the thing about the brain and how it works is it does not take no. And that sounds like an oxymoron, but like really for an answer. So I was just talking to another client today and she's like, you know, I don't want to be sick anymore. She said right before she got sick at like age seven, eight, she also said, I'm I'm not going to get sick. I don't want to get sick because I think someone in her family was going through something. The way that the brain processes that is I want to get sick because it does not, it negates that word don't or no, or what you don't want. This is also like the woman that you may know that like is trying to lose 10 to 20 pounds. And no matter how hard she tries, she can't lose it. And a lot of times the focus is, I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be this weight. I don't want these to be my size jeans. I feel like I can't eat that. I can't do this. And so then it's like, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way, we, even though you don't want it, we understand it's like, we can want the same thing, but depending on where your focus is and where the story is, is where you're going to go. It's like, take finances, for example, a per, one person doesn't want debt. They, I don't want debt. I don't want debt. I don't want debt. Another person wants like wealth and abundance and like financial savvy. They want the same thing. They want money. But the person that's focused so much on, I don't want to be in debt. Like, I don't want to be like, end up like my dad was a lot of times it's like this magnet that somehow, even as much as they try to keep going forward, it's called the towards versus away mindset. We're focusing on so much what we don't want versus what we do want. A lot of times, like the way that this, the subconscious works is it like does not process like I'm not going to take no for an answer or the little kid that don't eat that cookie of course the kid wants the cookie right and so when you just begin to tell yourself like what focus more on what you do want and I'll do this by like just getting into quote-unquote state like really you can make even a bulleted list how do you want to feel who is thriving you and speak in like terms of I am as and get as granular as you want I am healed I wake up and I feel full of energy I eat whatever I want. And my body knows how to digest it. Like to begin to speak in terms of what it is you really want, your brain and your body get really excited about that. And they're like, yeah, that's honestly how I recovered from every single food intolerance that I've wanted to recover from (laughs) has been just like the biology of belief of like saying like my body is going to be able to handle this. And I'm strong. And I would say this in the context of real foods, I'm not putting toxins and poisons in my body, but even if I did, I would be okay. Well, I don't want to drink poison, but you kind of get what I'm saying. I recently went out to dinner with some friends and my friend like ordered something that I definitely wouldn't order. Like whatever, like flour, corn tortillas they ordered. There's a lot of Mexican restaurants. They're like, Lauren, you have to try this. The awesome like duck tacos. I hadn't eaten like that type of tortilla in a long time. Gluten, gluten cross-contaminated foods. My body did fine. And I just decided I'm going to be okay. And It's just kind of like, that's where also 80, 20 balance will come into play that I believe a little dirt never hurt in so many ways in our life. It's just like, if your mind is on board for that, I was just talking to another client today about this, like who's been told to like eliminate pretty much everything from like a, she's told she has mast cell activation syndrome and mold and she, her body is pretty doing well right now. She just is holding on to like, this is what I was told. So I can't eat all these things. Just like my experiment for her was like to try two to three new things this week, whether it's foods or recipes. And it was just like a breath of fresh air to hear that because all she's going by is all these lists she's been giving of what not to eat and that she's been so scared of like that her body's going to not respond well. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And I love these stories because I think with each story that you and I are telling, it's 
pulling someone's brain in to relate and resonate with that and possibly be able to tie it to their own health, even if it's not a direct correlation, a, a direct, I guess, comparison yeah. to what they're going through. It it really is. So I want you to touch on what would be, I'm going to bring in the main, the main thing that people are thinking of and the weight loss resistance, because that's kind of the theme. What would be your take on that woman that is holding on to weight? And I'm talking, I mean, we're even using the GLPs, you know, the semaglutide, the terzebatide, they're basic no-brainers for weight loss. Like when all else fails, throw in these peptides and you're pretty much guaranteed that you're going to lose weight. One woman was using it for nine weeks with no weight loss at all. It's like, what is your body doing that it is literally holding on to extra fat? This isn't just like body fat that you need to survive because you're too thin. A lot of extra fat, then it's not letting it go. Right. So this is something that we call the kidney collecting tubules conflict. May sound crazy, um, but your kidneys are related to your adrenals. So your adrenals and kidneys sit on top of each other. And we liken it to perhaps like feeling like you're a beached whale. <laughs> so like there's something that like if a, a whale is on the beach, like you're feeling like, I mean, they're, they're not in the water, so they're not in their habitat. So they're not able to move about freely. So a lot of times this presentation will happen when a person's perhaps resolved one conflict, they're more in parasympathetic mode, or they're like on the back end of like a stressful time. So maybe something that preceded the weight gain initially, or just like over time has been a stressor. It may be something they're like far removed from, but at the same time, like while they're kind of like over that, a lot of times going on at play is something we call an active conflict or sympathetic state still. So like the body is still in a fight or flight mode in other ways. So maybe if a person has the initial onset of weight gain was like binge related or something eating disorder related or something funky relationship with food early on in your life. You're like, I'm over that. But then you're still in a sympathetic state. Like I'm in a job that I really kind of hate, or I am feeling just overwhelmed in this season of life. Maybe, I mean, the focus could just be so much. I'm focused so much on that away mindset of my weight still. And I just don't ever feel good enough. And it's like the subtle things of like, I'm just constantly comparing myself. It's just like this track that is going, going, going still of that self-worth conflict that just has not been fully resolved. The other things have been resolved or the eating, you're eating more healthy and like not using food in a like negative way or, but there's still this underlying conflict there. And so a lot of times that's where the weight lost resistance is happening because it's just like something has resolved, but something is still going. It's a, a track that's still going. You end up just feeling pretty depleted. Now there's specific stressors that can pave the way also for the kidney collecting tubules conflict. So I can go a little bit deeper into these. We call it the air conflict and it stands for an abandonment conflict, an isolation conflict, a refugee and existence conflict. <laughs> that can leave, lead to that beached whale feeling and, or this could be allude to some, one of those sympathetic stressors at play. So an abandonment conflict would be something like where you're left behind, feeling deserted, discarded, banished, undesired. Undesired would be playing to that self-worth conflict. I see this a lot, like that weight loss resistance with a lot of my clients. Maybe that had like dad issues growing up, even if they're women and they felt like, or like their parents went through a divorce and it could be either one. That was like laid early, that, that track. It's just something they haven't, they've consciously resolved it, but subconsciously it's still like is, is near and dear to their heart. Or like, I've even had recent clients that have had 
parents that were married 30 years and they got a separation. This abandonment conflict could also play out in your personal relationships as well. If like you're dating someone or married to someone. And again, there's something going on in that relationship and you're feeling abandoned, whether it's emotionally or like overtly in that relationship or with friendships or within business relationships. A lot of times our conflicts have to do with other people <laughs> in our life. So that would just be one in conflict that can be at play. And that sympathetic state, like this underlying, I just haven't fully addressed this at a cellular level. I've addressed this maybe consciously. I've resolved or like accepted it, but I haven't really like move past it. So every time I feel this twinge of maybe feeling abandoned or not good enough or something like that, it's like keeping you in this state of weight gain or weight loss resistance rather. So air, that's abandonment. Number two is isolation. And we can have just one of these conflicts. It doesn't have to be all these, but these are quite similar to abandonment and are all about feeling alone and emotionally unsupported. You're on your own, no one to lean on, hold you up. No support seclusion, i.e. COVID lockdown and the entire past, you know, three years or two and a half years. And we saw a lot of weight gain happening from just a gut brain level. The isolation conflict could have been at play or is still at play in some ways as people are kind of tiptoeing back into life, coming back and just trying to figure out like, well, who is my community now? Or feeling isolated, maybe even your belief systems. Like if you had family believing one thing and you were on a different wavelength and you just felt kind of like on your own island. Medical like issues can also be isolating. So it, it doesn't have to be just like an over like something circumstantial. Maybe I've been diagnosed with like mold illness. No one else around me understands this or mast cell activation. I feel really isolated in that. Or it could be like you felt like a black sheep a lot of your life in general. So if you've had like weight loss resistance for a long time in your life, maybe there's that. Number three of four specific conflicts that could be at play with this kidney collecting tubules conflict, kind of like just like continuing to feed the beast or fuel to the fire is the refugee conflict. Um, so air, abandonment, isolation, refugee, R. It's all about feeling like we are without roots, without a home, without a nest, out of place, out of familiar surroundings, out of our element. A lot of my clients that travel all the time for work have this at play or a lot of times with back to like mold being an example, if you've had to move a lot, we see mold and weight loss resistance a lot of times happening as along with thyroid issues, powerless conflict at play. But this, that refugee conflict um, could be something that's just still underlying, not feeling fully with your, like having roots. And then lastly, number four would be the existence conflict. So we had abandonment, isolation, refugee, and then existence. And this is like, on purpose. So like, if I'm questioning, maybe it back to the job, like I'm not doing what I'm passionate about, or I'm in like a lackluster season of my life and I'm not feeling much direction or I'm looking for direction. I'm looking for my spirituality or just finding the meaning of life. <laughs> a lot of times too, when people have like a diagnosis too, we can wrap it back to like in a medical context, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or just being diagnosed with something that you, again, hypothyroidism or colitis, something where I just feel it's less purpose now, or like just feeling, man, it just makes me question I know when I would feel symptomatic a lot of times and being unwell, I would question a lot of times the purpose of it all and just feeling out of control with that. The, those are the four conflicts that a lot of times are at play. Again, not all of them have to be at play, but with the kidney collecting tubules conflict overtly that maybe there has been something like that was resolved. So you're more in parasympathetic state or like re resolution from the initial like onset of whatever caused the weight gain, but the resistance happens with these air conflicts at play. 
it goes very deep. <laughs> and the reason why we call it kidney collecting tubules conflict, not only does it sit on top of your adrenals, but like the kidneys are responsible for how your body is regulating like its inflammation and its water as well. And so two liters of water in our tissue weighs four and a half pounds. If we're retaining all this weight, even if we don't think it's like water weight, but the body begins to accumulate this weight, there, there can be a reason why. And that's why it's connected to the kidneys. That is fascinating because yeah, how many women have we heard that they'll say, listen, I, I literally gained four pounds overnight or over the yeah. week. And yeah. it really can be those four extra pounds, but it could be just water weight because of all that that you're talking about. With, yeah, yeah, definitely. Fascinating. It yeah. really is. So you have a whole program. You have the gut brain reset method. Yeah. And we'll put all the links in the show notes. I know you mentioned it the last time when you were on, we were talking about mold, but can you tell people a little bit more about your program and how they can find you if they're finding all this fascinating, which I certainly do. And maybe this is that next step in their progress that they need to make now that they've if if they've done all the things. This could be that next step that really takes them to the next level and allows their body to heal. So can you tell listeners where they can find you and a little bit more about your method? Yeah, definitely. So I'm pretty easy to find in the ethers out there. It's just Dr. Lauren and Lauren's spelled with a Y. So D-R-L-A-U-R-Y-N.com. And then that's also my Instagram where I'm most active on social media right now. Stand by for the upcoming podcast and YouTube channel this fall. But yes, I'm with my program, the gut brain reset. I call it total gut brain reset. And I walk people through three phases and both physiologically and mentally, emotionally. And I really lean a lot into this work that I'm describing and really guide people through a process of three phase process. It's kickstart, cleanse and optimize. And a lot of times we hear those words and we may think just physiological, but in kickstart, we're laying a solid foundation for your brain to even be able to do a lot of the deeper digging work. And so we're like, giving you the tools and resources you need to be proactive now, because you're usually feeling most symptomatic when you come to me. So I'm laying a solid foundation. So you can have that more about face to that wave during that kickstart phase. The next phase we move into is cleanse. And so that's cleansing out a lot of those, like the toxic thoughts, a, but also those issues in your tissues. Like we go deep and we figure out what were the root causes of your most like top symptoms or the things you haven't been able to shake as well as like giving you the tools to really clear those out of the body, to cleanse those out. And then number three step is optimize. And so where we're, it's you dot thriving. So it's just very much what is possible now that you are in a place of being in a complete blank slate and clean slate. If you've been like wrestling with your health issues, whether it's for several months or several years, you, when you have more bandwidth to not have to focus so much on your health anymore. I find there's so much more possible. And this is where I tap into teaching people about their five, the five gut types. And these are um, inspired by human design. And so learning like how it is you are molded and shaped to like really make an impact in this world, what your life path and purpose is, and to really march out there and to have a full abundant life that you so deserve. Love it. Love it, Lauren. Love it. Thank you so much. I mean, this has been fantastic. I really hope it gives people just that that next set of information to take their health to to the next level because we all focus on the physical so much and on the the numbers and on the meds and on the supplements and on the food and on the exercise that we don't focus enough up here and we don't give our minds the credit that they have more control than what you think over your body. 
so much more. I mean, we could, we could go down, we could do another couple hours on this, right? Yeah. hundred percent. But no, thank you for coming on because this has been just phenomenal and so interesting. And I, I absolutely love it. Yeah. Love thank it. you for having me. I'll piggyback off one thing you just said too. 80% of healing is psychology and mindset. 20% is tactic and strategy. So if you like focus on that, like everything you're doing right now um, and the physical piece is just going to take off. That's a big stat. That's huge. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we'll leave it with that. There's there's your mic drop, 80%, yeah. 80%. So maybe this is something that you want to look into and tackle with your own health.